0: Hello, I'm Lisa Bell and welcome to another Florida Foodie. Hunger is a big problem across the country and right here in Florida. In fact, hunger and food insecurity is just one symptom brought on by several economic issues. That's where the Second Harvest Food Bank steps up to fill in the gaps. I sat down with Dave Krepko, the President and CEO of Second Harvest, and Kelly Quintero, the Director of Advocacy and Government Relations for the Food Bank. I spoke with him about the causes of food insecurity here in Florida and how they are working with lawmakers Washington, D.C. to combat it. Hello, and welcome again to Florida Foodie. I'm your host, Lisa Bell, along with our producer, Thomas Mates, who's standing off to the side right now. Hunger and food insecurity is a problem across the country. About one in eight Americans are food insecure, and the number is even higher in Florida. And today we are joined by two people on the forefront of combating this problem in Central Florida. From Second Harvest Food Bank, we are speaking with Dave Krepko, the president and CEO, and Kelly Quintero, the director of advocacy and government relations so thank you so much for joining us today this is a huge issue especially here in florida and central florida uh, affecting so many people and we don't even realize Mm -hmm. how big of a problem it truly is so first can you just give me a real general uh, description of the food insecurity issue facing uh, really our country but also here in central florida (sighs)
1: Right. Nationally, there's about 41 million people who are food insecure. It's it's really staggering. It's hard to believe. And here in Central Florida, in the Sixth County area, we have approximately 400 to 500,000 people who are food insecure. And that's about 14%, 15% of our total population. And that represents a lot of kids, one in four kids. Uh, senior citizens, and the bulk of the rest, you know, you have a slice of it that's homelessness, but the bulk of the rest are actually working families. They're underemployed.
0: And when we say food insecure, what exactly does that mean? Because it's a term that's thrown around right. an awful lot these days. Yeah,
1: they're hungry, <laughs> basically. You know, it, it, uh, it means they don't have the means to have regular access to three meals a day that are even close to being nutritious you know so uh you know it's a it's a real economic issue
0: and i think that that's key what you just said being close to being nutritious Mm -hmm. uh, because i think a lot of people think well wow you know it's so easy to go get something for a dollar here or a dollar there uh so why why do we have this problem
1: yeah, the well, the problem of food insecurity is, you know, got it has a lot of different facets to it. the The primary thing is, it's an economic reason. the The funds aren't there. But why aren't the funds there is the next question. So in Central Florida, we are heavily dependent on hospitality. You know, wonderful for our economy. It's growing all the time. That's what we want to see. However, there's a huge labor base there that. Uh, earn very low wages and they may be working one job they may be working a couple of jobs just to try to make ends meet so it's a matter of wages but combine that with the fact that Orlando ranked last in the top 50 metro areas in the United States for lack of affordable housing so a lot of these folks are spending 40 to 50 percent or more on housing to you know to afford a halfway decent two-bedroom apartment in the Orlando area, if, if you were making minimum wage at about eight and a quarter an hour, you'd have to work 110 hours a week.
0: So you have low wages, high housing costs, yeah. and therefore a lot of food insecurity. You've been here for 15 years working with Second Harvest Food Bank. Is the problem getting worse, or are we making some progress?
1: I wish I could say we're making more progress than we are. Uh, It's a lot like pushing a a boulder up a hill, Mm -hmm. though. Uh, Just when you think you got some momentum, something else comes up. And I know we'll be talking about that momentarily. But we have seen no let up in the demand for our services. As a matter of fact, last year we distributed a record number amount of food, enough for 58 million meals just for Central Florida. And people say, "Well, the economy's doing good. Unemployment's at three percent. You know, how could that possibly be?" Uh, but it goes back to what I was saying. You know, it's just uh, there's a lot of folks that are just, you know, do we pay the rent or do we buy food? Do we pay the utilities or pay the rent or buy food or medicine and food? And they're faced with these incredible, difficult. There's no right mm-hmm. answer to it, trade-offs on a daily basis.
0: And you just briefly mentioned some of the new challenges that we're facing. Kelly Quintero, you're the Director of Advocacy and Government Relations, and you say over the past two years there have been some dramatic shifts when it comes to um, how you guys approach your work and your mission. Talk to us about what's been going on the past two years.
2: Absolutely. So, we, when I first started this position, it was very much a conversation around the Farm Bill. And that's the largest piece of legislation that comes across Congress that really addresses hunger um, and funding for hunger Hunger Relief Program, so it could be SNAP, which is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or what we most commonly know as food stamps, um, but also programs that just come into the food bank, so uh, we also call it government food. So it's staple items that you and I probably have in our pantries, uh, it could be like beans, or it could be green beans, or rice, things like that. Um, so all of those items were really being funded through that piece of legislation. So back About a year and a half, that was the conversation we had with our congressional members. Thankfully that did pass um, without any uh, alerting uh, kind of policies attached to it, however, After it passed, we quickly met the shutdown, which affected a host of federal workers that were furloughed, specifically those TSA workers. Uh, And we actually went out to the International Airport to help them out, the Sanford one, and the Melbourne one, because they just couldn't make ends meet, and they needed food. Um, So we coupled that with um, also proposed rules that the administration is coming out with to add more either work requirements that we saw, that was one of the first ones, um, an additional uh, restriction and hurdle for individuals that have the residency um, and now trying to prohibit them from getting food assistance that they or their family may need. Uh, And now what we're seeing is, uh, and this is gonna sound so boring, but it's broad-based categorical eligibility. I'll just call it broad-based from here on out. Um, but that really affects not just families, but seniors, veterans, and really children in our public schools. So what do you mean by that? What does yeah. that mean? So that means essentially, it's a piece of policy. That means that if you sign up for SNAP, um, then you're eligible are like
0: food stamps, food right, stamps right. exactly.
2: If you're eligible for those food stamps then you're eligible and automatically enrolled in other programs that you're eligible for. But on top of that as well, it allows states to have a certain amount of flexibility. So let's say, for example, the state of Florida is having really high unemployment, um, but the Georgia is having really low unemployment for whatever reason. So that the state of Florida would be able to adjust the threshold for that poverty level. So those individuals who can't find a job or can't find a second job, unfortunately, or, you know, whatever, um, then they're able to qualify for that assistance.
0: Have you already seen some of those uh, changes take place and, and have effect on people, or is this all still kind of in the proposal, yeah. working out the details stage? It's
2: still a proposal, and uh, per federal requirement, there's a 60-day public comment period, um, and so we're, we're mostly concerned because every meal that we a Second Harvest and food banks like mm-hmm. ours put out into the community, SNAP so puts out the equivalent of nine meals. So we cannot at all meet that additional need that's Mm going to come from those individuals who will no longer qualify for SNAP. So what can
0: we do to help combat this? Is there something that the average person can do Mm -hmm. to help combat food insecurity among their their neighbors and their coworkers and their community.
1: For sure, there, there's a number of things, you know, one immediate thing that you can do, Kelly just talked about this comment period. And the majority of the general public has not talked to a, an elected official and, you know, how do we contact them? Mm-hmm. Who are they? What do we say? Those kinds of things. Well, you know, our call to action specifically would be to talk to your members of Congress. And if you don't know who they are or what their phone number is or mm-hmm. what their email address is or uh, or writing a letter to them or what's in that letter, you can go to our website, mm-hmm. www.FeedHopeNow.org. And we have that on the website to make it easy for you. These legislators, these elected officials need to know what's going on, Mm -hmm. you know, at at the ground level. They have a myriad of issues that are bombarding them. Mm -hmm. Um, So the more calls, the more letters, the more emails, the more tweets that they get the more attention they're going to pay to that. So, so that's one immediate thing. The, the other thing folks can do to, to help combat this food insecurity issue is um, we need volunteers. You know, we can't do our work without volunteers. So corporate groups, faith-based groups, individuals, students, mm-hmm. uh, you name it, we, we welcome one and all and we make it a real productive experience you know, and, and even have some fun with it. Um, and then people can donate food, of course. And uh, the the third way, really, or fourth way, is uh, financial donations. And uh, some folks go, okay, if I don't, if I donate financially, how far does that money really go? You know, and it's a very good question. A question should be asked all the time before you donate. We're we're, we're proud to say at Second Harvest Food Bank. For every dollar donated to us, we distribute nine dollars worth of groceries. So if we could get that return in the stock market, you know, right. everybody'd be multi millionaires yeah. and we could get rid of this problem. The the other thing, you know, in terms of the financial efficiency of our organization mm-hmm. is that our financial auditors that come in once a year give us an, an efficiency ratio. So we are at a 97% efficiency ratio, mm-hmm. which means that 97 cents of every dollar coming into us is going to help people.
0: Well, it's amazing you know? to me how food insecurity really is just part of this huge overall puzzle. I mean, you touched on it briefly. If you have low, age, low wages, uh, tourism-based economy, a lot of people not making a lot of money in our area. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition, in combination with extremely high housing prices, that's where this comes into play. But what I love about Second Harvest is you don't just distribute food, but you also are working with many of your clients Mm -hmm. to help them break that cycle. So tell me about some of the programs. I know we had some people on earlier on Florida Foodie talking about the Culinary Institute you guys have. But I mean, you have a brand new facility and you offer a lot of really innovative Mm -hmm. techniques to try and help Mm -hmm. people uh, break the cycle.
1: Right. You know, we break our work down into two basic categories feeding the line of people and you need to do that daily the kids need it to be mm-hmm. focused you know on their schoolwork and get the homework done and and be energetic the seniors need it to stay vital health you know from a health point of view so we need we need to do that day in and day out these people have a legitimate need but then we have a second piece of our work is called shortening the line of people. Why do they need food in the first place? So our shortening the line work is the culinary training and job placement where to date 280 to 300 graduates, we place them into jobs mm-hmm. at graduation. We have 100% job placement rate. They're not flipping burgers. You How know. long have uh, you
0: been doing this, that, that uh, program?
1: This is our sixth year. Okay. And it's it's literally changing lives. Mm-hmm. And these folks can now Put food on their tables, and they are economically self-sufficient. They're becoming
0: chefs at many restaurants it, that exactly. people who may be listening to this oh, have been yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. And some have started their own food companies, like a catering, you know, a catering mm-hmm. company, a cupcake factory, you name it. Uh, the the stories are, are just really wonderful. So we said, what else could we do? So we run this 100,000 square foot food distribution center. So we're doing the same thing. We are. Uh, doing food distribution distribution center training, so we bring in low income folks um, for, um, forklift certification, inventory control, materials handling, order picking, all that mm-hmm. stuff, and then place them into distribution centers.
0: And I know you guys have also partnered with a lot of people, which helps make this process run. Mm-hmm. Tell me about some of the partnerships that you guys have with uh, other local organizations, or businesses, or restaurants that help mm-hmm. makes this all possible.
1: Yeah, one partner and I. Maybe the general public's not too familiar with them, but they should be. It's called Career Source. And uh, they are in the Central Florida region, uh, throughout the state as well. But their main focus is, is to put people into jobs. So it's a wonderful partnership. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the people coming to them, we have the program. And then on the other flip side of it, in your, in your partnership question, is the employers so darden restaurants their brands uh disney properties i mean imagine epcot center the amount of extra food they have at the end of the day you know all these convention hotels uh lots of independent restaurants as well Mm -hmm. so there's just
0: can you get lot. that food i mean you you just mentioned you know all yeah, the they're waste prepared. yeah, yeah they're, there's so much food waste you know i it's something like 40 percent of the food in right, our country exactly. is just thrown away so yeah. i mean is there any way to reduce that and help your cause wow that's a huge issue well, definitely if they don't <laughs> yeah. if they
1: don't reduce it it's helping our cause because there's surplus more surplus food but we can pick up perishable and prepared foods uh those those prepared foods they have not been served right okay but they haven't been served for one reason or another they're, they're perfectly okay um, but our drivers are trained in safe food handling we got refrigerated trucks so that is some of, of what of you stuff. guys do you pick oh, up for sure yeah yeah so we're, we're picking up start with where it's grown right uh-huh. from the farmers and the growers in the state of Florida we're in this phenomenal agricultural state to the food manufacturers, the food processors, distributors, grocery retailers, Publix, Sam's, Walmart, Super Target, Winn-Dixie. We're picking up from 400 grocery stores twice a week.
0: What, Just, what are you picking up?
1: We're picking up everything that you see as you walk down the aisles from from fruits and vegetables, you know, that, that are, are that still are little, edible. But yeah, they're, they're a little ripe. on their ripe side, you know, okay. but they're edible. Uh, we're picking up dairy products. This is really cool. You know, the fresh meats and poultry and in, uh-huh. in the refrigerated cases, when those are coming up on expiration or a new shipment's coming through and they have to make room for that, the grocery stores are freezing that meat and poultry for us. And then we can then take it in that wow. frozen state. And then we're getting, uh, you know, just a variety of non-perishable goods from cereal to peanut butter to jelly i mean macaroni cheese you name it so but it's
0: still it's edible. not an, it is yeah. it's, it's, it's edible yeah. but still with all that there's still a need for more
1: there is you know we i said we provided enough food for 58 million meals last mm-hmm. year we need at least three times as much wow and that's a conservative estimate it, it is hard to believe and especially your viewers that are listening to this right now are probably scratching their head going how how is that possible yeah. you know
0: And so talk about the distribution process, because you can't imagine, you know, 50 million people coming to your place to get a meal every once in a while.
1: Thank goodness they're not doing that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) We wouldn't have time to sit here in the studio. So what we do is our system works where we gather all the surplus food into our distribution center. And then charitable feeding programs come in and get the food from us. So we're serving a... About 600 through the Central Florida area, and they range from homeless shelters, soup kitchens, uh, homes for abused women and children, to hundreds of emergency food pantries. Um, so people that are not only preparing meals, but people that are handing out non-perishable goods. So it's this network that is just phenomenal, uh, and that is the 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 a back they are backbone partners with us they then take that food and take it there to their particular mission or ministry and uh, feed the individual people their needs. So it's a system that works. The, the food industry likes it because they don't have time to vet thousands of people or hundreds of organizations. Um, so it's a It's a very efficient way to go about
0: it. So, Kelly, what is the biggest challenge, legislatively speaking, or government speaking, moving forward, that you see and that you're going to be working on?
2: Yeah. So, it's besides the broad base issue, I would say coming up is the child nutrition reauthorization. So, that includes funding for all uh, WIC program, which is women, infants, and children. It also includes funding for school breakfast, school lunch, um, and it includes funding for one other program that are after school programs and summer meal uh, programs so those are all programs that we pretty much participate in every single one of those with the exception of probably WIC and maybe in school meals
0: are you concerned they could be cut
2: Absolutely, Um, because this piece of legislation includes all the funding for it and all the regulation around it, it's how can we make sure that this piece of legislation includes uh, funding to appropriately fund all these programs so we're feeding all the kids that need meals from us, especially after school, and again, during summer, how can we make sure that we work with those um, school systems to advocate on their behalf and for these kids?
0: And what do you see as the biggest challenge in the next few years? Well, you know, public policy
1: is one of the biggest levers you can pull to make a difference, no matter what the issue might be, whether it's health care or wages, um, whatever the issue might be. In terms of agricultural policy and these nutritional programs that, that have been funded for decades in America. Um, we we see an administration right now that is not too kind to those policies, and they are uh, under attack on a continual basis. Um, believe me, we believe in wealth It doesn't, you know, without wealth, our organization wouldn't exist. There's, you know, there's phenomenal people that will donate. But you know, that we talk about the a greater divide between you know people at the one and two percent areas and people, um, you know, on the lower income. That divide is becoming bigger and bigger with a lot of public policy. And there's, a, there's another rule that's been proposed recently, uh, it's called the public charge rule. There's another government term for you, but basically, that public charge means. And a someone applying for immigration legally and legitimately that if they receive a certain number of public benefits, it can count against them of becoming a U.S. citizen. Hmm. And right now the proposed rule, uh, the new proposed rule, is to add SNAP benefits to that. So SNAP as a public benefit that... You know, that a legitimate U.S. citizen is entitled to is being is is proposed to become a wedge. You know, that food insecurity could actually be a, a, a wedge in becoming a U.S. citizen. So that has entered into the picture. So, yeah, that's, that's one of the biggest challenges The the second one that I'd like to mention is that and it's a great opportunity. Thanks for having us on the show. Is that a lot of folks? You're busy putting bread on the table at home and busy with your kids in school. Now that school season started and everything, you're you know you're focused in your own world. But there are just so many folks out there that are not in a fortunate situation. Uh, and again, we have got a lot of sunshine here and a lot of good things going in mm-hmm. Orlando. You know, but uh, right beneath the surface, you know, there's. There's a lot of folks there that are in need.
0: And you mentioned earlier, you know, m- many of the people who are in need uh, are working, you know, and they just yeah. don't have the means. Right. And that's, I think a lot of people think, well, you know, go get a job. Why can't exactly. you uh, afford food?
1: Exactly, you know, a lot of the population don't realize who is really hungry, you mm-hmm. know? And if you don't know that, your imagination gets filled with these stereotypes that are out there, like you mentioned. Um, but when you think about food stamps or SNAP, almost 50% of the people who benefit from SNAP are kids. 20% are seniors and and people with disabilities, OK? And then, like we mentioned before, the, the bulk of the remainder are people that are working. And in, in SNAP, the S stands for supplemental, OK? Nobody can survive on food stamps or SNAP yeah. dollars. You know?
0: Well, thank you guys so much for joining us and uh, removing the curtain behind Second Harvest Food Bank and uh, giving us a little insight into what you guys do and all the services you provide. We really appreciate it. We know you. you do a ton of good work in our community. So Dave Krepko, Kelly Quintero, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Okay, thanks.
1: Thank you for listening to Florida Foodie. We'd also like to thank our guests, Dave Krupko and Kelly Quintero from Second Harvest Food Bank. You can learn more about Second Harvest efforts online at FeedHopeNow.org. Be sure to follow Lisa Bell online as well. Search Lisa Bell News on Facebook and Instagram or Lisa Bell News 6 on Twitter. You can also find her new children's book online at NormanNomebooks.com and by searching Norman Gnome Books on Facebook and Instagram. Also, a big thank you to our techno producers, Derek Mosier and Ryan Hawley. I'm the show's producer, Thomas Mates. Florida Foodie is available for download wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you would take the time to rate and review us. You can also find videos of all of our podcasts on clickorlando.com
0: podcasts.